2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. The world doesn't think that the gospel can change your life, but we know that it can. And that's why we want you to hear these stories, stories of transformation, stories of freedom, people getting free from sin and healed from sin because of Jesus. This is Death to Life. My identity was definitely in sports and also trying to, like I said, be viewed highly by other people. I wanted people to think highly of me. Uh, whether it was they thought I was good at sports, whether they thought it they, whether they thought I was funny, and so he called me one time and he said, "You know, Drew, you are free from sin," and I was just like, "Wait, what?" You know, and we talked about it a little bit, and he just kind of elaborated a little bit more, and it had started to line up with some of the things that I've been reading for myself. Yo. Welcome to the Death of Life podcast. This is your friendly neighborhood podcast that has a lot of death and a lot of life. And this episode is with Drew Meckelberg. Drew is one of my favorite people. He's married to Miley. She had an episode in season one, but this is his story. And I think you're going to love it. Uh, If you want to help us with season three, continue to listen uh, after the end of the podcast so you can partner with us for season three. But I mean, I think we should just get into this mug. So uh, buckle up, strap in. Love you. Appreciate you. Man, this is real talk. God is loving on me. Colorful and innocent, that's on me. Got me standing in the light and it's on me. It's a new heart. It's a new beat. It's a new thing. It's a new seat. It's a new thing. It's a new dream. It's a new heart. It's a new beat. Hey, got me singing like... So, it's rare that I get to talk to someone where I feel like I know their whole story, like, super well. Like, I think most of your story I know super well, Um, but there's, like, a few key parts that I don't know. Um... Because I was thinking, before I really got to know you, you were just this guy who would talk trash 
to Michael Paradise and myself in the first floor of the Dick Building at Union College. And I didn't know you, but Michael knew you. And mm-hmm. Michael would be like, man, that guy, he's always talking trash about the Chiefs, man. And we can never we can never beat the Broncos, and he's always talking trash. And I'm like, who is that guy? And he's that it's like that's uh Drew Meckelberg. And so that's the first thing I ever knew about you. And you were super tiny, but still tall. When did you when did you start growing? Oh, dude, I was not tall when I knew you. I was five. You you one. were super short. I was five one my freshman year of high school. And so five one. You were my, shorter than Natalie. Yeah, I was tiny. My junior year was when I finally hit my growth spurt, and I was I grew over an inch one summer, <laughs> and I was six three, and now I'm six four. You mean over a foot? Yeah, no, I mean it was crazy. You grew over a foot one summer. Pretty much, yeah. It was crazy. what happened. You just were, were you just like this is the weirdest, like this is the craziest thing I've ever. You're just eating <laughs> yeah. veggies. I I guess I remember having terrible growing pains as a kid. Terrible, like wake up in the middle of the night just dying. Uh, but never had any fruit of that labor. Until my junior year. <laughs> so, um, what did being really short until your junior year? What did that? What did that do to? Uh, what did that do for you? <laughs> did it have an effect on you? Uh, you know, there was, yeah, there were parts I guess that were not fun about it. Like, pretty easy to get picked on when you're that small. <laughs> You know, a lot, of, a lot of short jokes, a lot of, uh, and you know, I'm not like the stoutest guy either, you know, small and skinny. Uh, so you get pushed around a little bit too. Uh, and so, yeah. I and you have big hair. Yeah, that's right. I did. I did have big hair because uh, I had to make up for it. <laughs> no, it was I just, dude, it was something else. I don't even know how to describe it, but it was, yeah. Like my nickname was Baby Huey, uh, which again I loved it all. Like I uh, didn't ever think that people were like malicious about the way that they'd poke fun at me. Um, so I didn't take it too much to heart, but it probably affected me in some way where I was like, "Yeah, and I wish I could just grow." <laughs> and then I feel like, and maybe you were like this the whole time, but it seemed like you turned into the most competitive dude. I was telling Eddie, I'm like drew in the natural or in the flesh, not in the natural in the flesh is one of the most competitive dudes I've ever met. And he's good at it. Like he's good at games. Like his mind works. Like I bet he could invent a board game. Like his mind just works in a tactical. He's going to outsmart you. He's going to trap you. Like, did that start young or did that, like, did you grow into that? You know, it's a weird thing. Uh, My parents played a little bit of sports growing up, but like, I didn't grow up around sports except for me just teaching myself. And I don't know if that's what added to that, but like, 
I mean, again, my folks, they will watch Broncos games on Sundays. They will, they love going to Rockies games, but I like, I don't remember growing up and going to watch my parents ever play sports. Right. And my dad would, he'd go play catch with me in the backyard and stuff. Um, but I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, it's just always been an internal thing. I just have known the tactical side of things and I have to study it a lot still, but I also, it's just like, Oh, we should just do that. And it just, I, I just felt like I knew it already. Oddly enough. So who was, uh, who was God to you growing up, man? Um, you grew up, were you born in Lincoln, Nebraska? No, I was born in Denver, Colorado. So, ah, the Sunshine State. The sunshine State. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a quote from a movie that only people my age would know. Uh, Denver, Colorado. Yeah. I think that's also a quote from The Office. But, anyways, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I lived there for five and a half years. And so, right before my kindergarten year, we moved out. To Lincoln, folks got a job at Union, uh, and then spent my entire schooling years here in Lincoln. Um, and so, in that time, I mean, God was just a part of the life, you know. Like my parents were, quote, like we were good Christians, quote unquote. We, you know, went to church every week, mm-hmm. Sabbath school. My parents helped lead out in Sabbath school. They helped lead out in children's church. Um, so I would say it was a pretty big part of my life growing up, you know, where we just, it was very normal. Uh, it was never something that I second guessed. It was never something that um, I didn't spend time doing. Like I was around it all the time. So it was just like, yeah, I guess this is just what we do. Gosh, just part of my life. I, I love your parents. Your dad is the nicest <laughs> laid back guy I've ever met and your mom is so friendly and I got to know them working at Union College and uh yeah they're just salt of the earth type people so your 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 house growing up was just like if you did something stupid it wasn't because of them (laughs) they didn't teach you that um (laughs) right um well and good like it's hard for me to even remember I absolutely yeah absolutely and like I was a pretty like rule follower myself, you know, so I didn't get into a whole lot anyways, but like, I don't remember a whole lot of times in my life where I was in a lot of trouble with my folks. Right. Um, so it's easy to paint a picture of God in a similar way where, you know, you know, I screw up or whatever, but at the same time you knew that, you know, you were still loved and, um, had this, I don't know, it's very easy to grasp, I guess, for me, like just because of the way my parents raised me and my sister and uh, the way that they treated each other as well. Uh, I was very, very lucky. <laughs> like just to put it in yeah, context, man. I've never seen my parents fight once. I've never heard it. That's like, wild. I don't, I don't know that I have ever experienced them being upset at each other. You think it's ever happened? (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know. I literally, (laughs) I have no idea. So do you, 
know what lies started hitting you and like at what age were you starting to believe just kind of weird lies about yourself or position you as less than or <laughs> you know when you asked me about this i tried to think about it some more and it's hard for me to think of like specific times like i can't think of like moments that were marked you know that it was like man, that really hurt. Um, or like that was a big moment. Uh, but like, so some lies, like definitely my stature growing up was something that maybe affected me a little bit. And, um, but I also don't remember it affecting my identity. <laughs> uh, I'd remember though in sports, like you said, wanting to be really competitive. Uh, and if I felt like I got outsmarted, that sucked. And that would definitely create like, you know, you're a loser type thing. Uh, the other one was if somebody was disappointed in me or if I felt like I let somebody down, uh, I wanted people to respect me or think highly of me. And so when those things didn't happen, I would beat myself up a little bit about that too. So your senior year, I remember distinctly hearing about you hitting a bunch of threes in a basketball game. Like that's when I first was like, oh, Drew's a person. He's not like a little kid anymore. He's like actually like a, an adult, not an adult, but like a grown up type guy hit a bunch of threes in this basketball game. And, and I, you know, I worked at the school up the street from you. Um, you get to Union. What was your idea? Identity. Your did you play in the tournament your senior year? Or were you guys still playing like for the city league? Yeah, we like played. We played in the tournament my senior year, uh, and we lost Sunday morning uh, to Campion. Of course, you know it's always Campion. Uh, Campion. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just interviewed Michael Bean, so. We talk about all the Campion beef in that one, so okay. I can't do it again. It'll hurt. Yeah. It hurts too bad. It hurts too much, man. It hurts too much. Uh, no, I'll, so, so the tournament was awesome. I loved that tournament. Still do. Uh, but getting to college, I felt like my identity was probably uh, definitely in sports, um, and also trying to. <laughs> gain again, like I said, the affirmation, but also just like, uh, I wanted to, be, like I said, be viewed highly by other people. I wanted people to think highly of me, uh, whether it was, they thought I was good at sports, whether they thought it, they, whether they thought I was funny or a good leader. Uh, and so I was going to do things to get people to think highly of me, I think is probably my identity there. When did your camp stuff start? I was in high school. It was like your Mr. Camp, uh, Mr. I work at camp. When you just started at Broken Arrow when you were a junior in high school? Yep. I was 16 years old, I believe. Maybe it was 17, 18. I actually don't remember. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it was junior year. Uh, and so went to summer camp, worked for Michael Paradise, my arch nemesis, for a long, long time, but then, you know, mm -hmm. grew up and found out he's actually kind of cool guy. Uh, 
And so you actually was, didn't like him when you were younger, or was that just like a funny thing? I think it was mostly funny, but yeah, I I, I did not like the Chiefs, and I would put that on you guys, right? So it'd be like, I, when the Broncos lost, I did not want to see you guys. When the Chiefs lost, I would wait for hours for you guys to get out of class, <laughs> and just oh, it'd be so sweet. <laughs> uh. Okay, so background, if you're listening to this and you're not a Midwesterner, Union College is located in Lincoln, Nebraska, and there's got three fan bases. And if you're not part, if you're a member of one fan base, you automatically end up hating the other two. And that is, for the National Football League, you've got the Denver Broncos, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Minnesota Vikings. And all three of those fan bases have students at the school, and... You know, God bless those Vikings fans. They're at a different, uh, oh. you know, different conference, and they're just losers. Yeah. They can't win. Yeah. And the Chiefs and the Broncos, uh, you know, we're, you know, we just don't like each other. And uh, my boy Paradise and myself are from Kansas City, had season tickets the whole nine. And Drew, I didn't even know he was from Colorado. I was just like, why is this, why is this CVA kid like, um, the Broncos, and we would constantly talk trash, and it was all in good fun, uh, except when you lost. Then it wasn't <laughs> a good fun. Then you're just like, that guy's a jerk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then I would just be like, yeah, but we're better, you know. I, you know, as a 10-year-old talking trash, you know, what else is there to say? Uh, I love it. <laughs> but So you work with him, and you're like, he's actually not a bad dude at all. He's a good dude. Yeah. And so, man, I love my summer camp experience. Uh, and I did not stop doing summer camp for like 10 years after that, just every summer. That was the plan. I was going to summer camp. And so spent two years at Broken Arrow, one year on the U crew, you know, where you go to all the different camps, uh, and then like six or seven at Glacier View and then two at Camp Y9 Hawaii. Man. So camp was a huge, huge thing for me. And that's where you developed your leadership. That's where you kind of develop your adult voice. Like you're in charge. Like what, what did you start learning as spiritually, like working in camp? Um, <laughs> camp was always like, it was that classic spiritual high, right? Where you uh, go to camp, you're just surrounded by, worship songs all night and worship thoughts and then camp devotion or uh, staff devotions. And, you know, like it's just an all time Jesus high. Uh, but then when you'd come back to college afterwards, uh, there would always be, you know, kind of that downhill slope after that with, you know, you get started getting back into sports and studies and all that stuff. And you put God on the back burner a little bit, but, Camp, man, it was – and so I'd get on the roller coaster a little bit of like, okay, camp high and then a little bit low, camp high, a little bit low. Uh, and so camp, I think – I mean, obviously it was great because I learned a lot of great spiritual things and met a lot of great people. Uh, but in a lot of ways it's also like I'm just going to live off that spiritual high for a year and I'll get back to it next year. <laughs> hmm. And when the spiritual high would hit you, what would be the thing? It would just be like, oh, we've been talking about God, and then you're not talking about God, but it wasn't, was it something special about God? It just seemed more real? 
yeah, probably just like to, you know, see the kids start to learn more and see their excitement. Um, you know, like the crazy experiences you would have at camp, like when you were there a couple of, you know, for that week and stuff. Um, but also I think just like, like you said, talking about a lot made me feel closer to God, right? Like the idea that I had to talk to God to be close to God or talk about God to be close to God. Uh, that's probably where I was at spiritually, like just this confusion uh, or not confusion, but just, yeah, this lie that in order to be close to God, you had to talk about him or uh, that that was something that helped define you guys, like the relationship with God. And so being able to talk about God all summer. Okay. I must be super close or I am super close for now. Hmm. So tell me the story, man. Um, how did this, uh, this whole thing start in your life? Like this, this different, mm. this paradigm shift. Where, where yeah. do you feel that? Um, so I started reading the Bible a little more, uh, shortly into my teaching career. So I'm starting my seventh year of teaching right now. And it's probably year two, uh, where I just started picking it up more, right. Being more consistent with it. Um, and at first it was definitely like a guilt thing. Like, you know, I, I feel bad that I'm not spending this time with God because my summers aren't spent doing that as much. Right. Uh, and so, but as I started reading more, I started realizing there's maybe more to the Bible than I thought. Uh, and maybe this whole relationship thing Mm -hmm. is different than I thought. Right. And then come to find out Mikey Archibek, one of my best friends, you know, roommate in college, uh, spent a year task forcing with him. Uh, he was having these crazy experiences over in Hawaii cause he took, uh, a few years to be an internship, do an internship as a pastor there in Hawaii. And so he called me one time and he said, you know, Drew, you are free from sin. And I was like, wait, what? You know? And, we talked about it a little bit and he just kind of elaborated a little bit more and it started to line up with some of the things that I'd been reading for myself. Like, and I hadn't read like a ton into Romans, but I was like a lot into, uh, Paul's letters, uh, Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians, those ones. I was just like, I had read those a ton over the recent time. Um, and so then when Mikey started kind of putting more of those pieces together, it started to like be like, oh, that's way different. <laughs> um, and like I said, I've always been like a quote unquote good Christian. Like I felt close to God. Uh, no, okay. I felt like I had a relationship with God and like we were good, right? I was never worried about salvation. Um, but I didn't feel maybe like the intimacy with God. Um, and so then when Mikey and I started talking about it more, it was like, well, shoot, that sounds really, really awesome. Um, it didn't take that much. He just was kind of like explaining, did he, did he take you to Romans? Was he like, this is in Romans or were you just like, we never walked through it a ton. Like, so this, I kind of, like I said, like 
I truly cannot look back and be like, that was the day or that was the moment or whatever. It was just like, over time, I just knew that God lived in me. And because of what he did on the cross, I was sealed and it was good. (laughs) Uh, And so one of the big moments maybe for me was, so I spent a summer at Waianae. And it was one of the first nights uh, just like sitting around doing a staff worship during staff week. And I knew that Jonathan and Mikey, you know, had been super close and that's where Mikey had heard some of these things. And uh, Jonathan, after one of the worships, had been talking to a few of the staff. And I'd just been sitting there and listening. And then people had kind of dispersed. And so afterwards, I looked at Jonathan and I said, uh, so all these people kind of offload things onto you and like, you know, really like leave this heavy baggage in your lap. And so like, do you have somebody to talk to? Like, how do you deal with that stuff? Cause I just was curious. Uh, you know, that's how I maybe used to think people worked also like you talk to somebody and they talk to somebody and that's kind of how we unload our baggage. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. but I was like, <laughs> Because, again, I respected Jonathan a lot because I could tell he was a leader. That's what I wanted to be. Uh, And also when, kind of like I had said earlier, I want especially respect and people who I think highly of to think highly of me. That was another big lag I had. Uh But anyways, Jonathan, okay, so I just asked him, so who do you talk to? And he said, like, because that's got to get heavy listening to all these people's burdens. He's like, nah, uh, I don't let that stuff doesn't stick on me. Like, uh, that's, that's all God. And that was probably a big moment too, where I was like, okay, this is for real. And ever since it's just been (laughs) growing and manifesting more in my life. And how did you get out to Hawaii? Did Mikey just say you should come and work at the camp out here or, like you're hearing about what the stuff is that Mikey's been learning. How did you end up deciding to go out there? So Eric Vandenberg is very close with Steve, uh, who I worked for at Glacier View. And Eric Hamilton, was looking yeah. for an activities director, yeah, Steve Hamilton. And so Steve had just, uh, I think they had talked and maybe even Jessica Albert, I think, had been talking to Steve. And anyways, they were, were like, yeah, you should get this guy. He only has I, he's a teacher. And so only three weeks would probably be really appealing to him because I wasn't ready to go back to regular camp. I didn't want to spend eight weeks at a summer camp when I then had to go back and teach more, you know, like then you're not getting a break really, but three weeks mm-hmm. in Hawaii with my wife. Absolutely. I'm in. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and so that was kind of my connection with Steve Hamilton uh, and Jessica kind of made that connection between the two of us and hooked it up and Miley and I went off to Hawaii. So when you're hearing like the stuff that Jonathan is preaching in staff week or staff worship, you're all like, yeah, this is the kind of stuff that Mikey's been telling me about. This is the stuff that I'm reading. And so you were just really good soil to receive this stuff. Yeah. Um, and I would even argue that, I was like, I had received it 
and believed it before I got to Hawaii. That was just like the nail in the coffin was me asking that question to Jonathan for whatever reason. That's like a silly question to ask, right? It doesn't even, it's not like anything to do with me or whatever, but it was just like this understanding that God was enough, right? God was the thing that, you know, we had all been looking for to the point where if people had burdens, like you could talk to them about me or you could talk to them about Jonathan because I wasn't going to wear those for you. Like I can then give you this idea that no, Jesus is the thing that you're searching for. Um, and so, yeah, I was good soil also though, because the things he was talking about, I hadn't really heard as specifically. I'd read it. I honestly, I really believed like my identity was sealed and nobody could change that. Uh, and so for him to just be then, yeah, pouring into me and everybody else, but then that also gave me the opportunity to go pour into other people. That's some ways for me, like the best way to learn something is to go teach it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I would just soak it in and then the staff around, I'd go try and talk to them about it too and try to go teach it to them. Uh, and that helped me just see, uh, fortify it even more. And so Miley has an episode in season one. Um, this first year that you're working there at the summer camp, I, I can't remember. Was she, she was not vibing with it, but you were, or was she just not talking about it? Uh, so before we went to camp, I had kind of talked to her about it already some and just been like, yeah, man, this thing is so cool. Uh, and I could tell that, you know, it was changing my life and the way I viewed people and uh, religion in general. Um, and so I had tried to talk to her about it, but then we went to, and she was like, yeah, that sounds nice. Uh, but then we went to camp and yeah, she was not about it a whole lot. She wasn't necessarily against it, but she was like, yeah, cool. But you know, I still want to work. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so then, yeah, like that next year, Tyler and I, that's when Tyler really started to become a big part of my story. Um, because so I remember coming back from camp that summer and seeing Tyler in the gym one night and heard him talking about some of these things. And I was like, wait, you know about this? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you know about this? And so then... This is right just, when like, when he's his marriage is falling apart, right? Yep, yep. Uh, and so he and I, man, <laughs> he and I really poured into each other a lot. Like, it was huge to have um, the two of us, the chance to pray for our wives together, the chance to just sit and talk about this stuff. We talked often, and I mean, you know, things were not good for him. Um, and there <laughs> were many times when he would just come over on his own and hang out at our house, and uh, he and I would just talk about gospel and the cool things that we had been learning. Uh, and then, you know, he started that Sabbath school, and I got to help him with it, uh, and that was a huge blessing for us. 
Uh, and again, yeah, Miley and still not super into it, but just the ability to pray for our wives is like a really, really cool thing and still have faith that one, they were going to be, they were going to receive it. Um, but then also that he and I were good no matter what or how long it took. If you have a testimony of something that has happened or a life that has changed because of an understanding gleaned from this podcast, I would really love to hear it. Um, So could you please email me, richard at lovereality.org, so that I I could hear this testimony and maybe get in contact with you? Because it's what we live for. It's what I love the most. It's why this podcast is here. So uh, email me at richard at lovereality.org. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks. Man, that's crazy because um, what I've been thinking about a lot is that all of our spiritual gifts, all of this energy is not, it's, we're not out here to be operating by ourselves. Like, mm. we're, if we... If we isolate, that's when bad things happen. And you learn this thing, but then you go back to Lincoln. And Tyler, I just remember the energy that you and Tyler had. And I remember Tyler starts talking to me about it. He's like, yeah, man, Drew is all about this thing. And you and I hadn't really talked on that level about any of this stuff. We had... You know, we played City League basketball together, and we're constantly talking about pickup ball, basketball. We both coached at Union, and so we're we're talking about basketball all the time. And Tyler's like, no, Drew is about, he's about the gospel. And because I'd never really heard you talk about God in this way, I was like, wow, this gospel, it must really be real. Like, not to say, like, <laughs> Drew is out here killing people, and now he's come to Christ. It's just like, that wasn't in your repertoire of conversation topics. If it was, it'd be like, man, Drew, you know, God loves you. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I know. But now you have this energy and you're teaching people about it. Yeah. No, and having Tyler around, he provides a lot of energy for it also, right? (laughs) Uh, So it's easy to (laughs) feed off that. (laughs) Um, But no, I definitely had, you know, when man, when you first start to see it with new eyes, it's exciting. It's just, it is life-changing to not have to worry about what people think about you, to not worry about, like, (laughs) your future. I mean, it just, it's very peace, right? You just get this overwhelming peace that you're going to be good, and you are good. And to be able to give that to other people and to see other people just hurting and then bring them some of that peace was awesome. Yeah, so when you did you know that the lies were coming off of you or did you as you just start thinking about this thing in a different way you're like, well then this can't this other thing can't be true. It's not like there was this exposure like what walk me through that. Yeah, I the second one, right? Where it was just oh, yeah, if if this means this then I that can't be true because if God says one thing, 
and God can't tell a lie, how could this thing that, you know, might be trying to creep in and get me to believe something or, you know, like the biggest change maybe was sports. I, I, and I think you and I have talked about this a little bit, but just like, man, watching the Broncos lose the Seahawks in the Super Bowl was just crushing, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. weeks months just crushed uh but then after freedom it's like you turn on a broncos game and they sucked so maybe it's easy to brush it off um <laughs> but like i remember the rockies were really good during this time and they lost a big playoff series uh and for a little bit like a minute or two is like man that sucks but, but sports doesn't find me anymore, so I guess it's all good. <laughs> yeah, man. We used to live by that. We used to live by sports that, you know, our teams, but then how we performed when we were playing. Um, yeah. I, I remember you didn't play on the team at Union, but we played City League together. And before it was just like Drew's like a one-trick pony. He can shoot threes. But then when you we you got in the city league and then you went to UCA, you came back and you were more confident in your basketball skills and you actually were, were the captain of the basketball team at Union for a couple of years. But a lot of your identity was kind of wrapped up in that. Talk to me about getting free from an identity wrapped up in performance. Uh, yeah, like I like I said. Okay, so the reason I would chase positions like a captain, right? Or student body president or even activities director at camp, like was to try and climb that ladder so that people would respect me. Uh, But then at the same time, uh, people who I respected, it was a huge deal if they, you know, respected me or if like, (laughs) like it's the Michael Scott quote where after Dwight does his big speech, and he says, I entertain the guy who entertained a thousand guys, right? <laughs> so if the person who was, who, again, who I thought had a lot of respect or that people liked, if that person liked me, then that must mean that all the people who like them must also like me. <laughs> um, and so getting free from that, I don't know. I think it was... a perfect time in my life where, you know, as you grow older in college, I think those are pretty easy lives to believe. Right. But then as you get out of college, you're not necessarily in like the, you've got a thousand friends right now. It's like, okay, you've got your coworkers and then maybe a smaller group of friends. And so I think in that time period was a really good time for me to start to learn more about this because I wasn't trying to impress as many people. Like I was just focused on work and uh, a little bit of basketball. Mm-hmm. And so now it was starting to be like, oh, I don't need to chase these positions um, because well, for the wrong reasons. Okay. I think God has given me gifts to be in leadership positions, right? Like I don't think I would have them if I didn't have those gifts. Uh, but I was now going after those kinds of positions for the right reasons. Uh, Because I knew that, okay, God has given me these gifts. I can do this, but
but not so that people respect me or people want to be around me, but more so that I can share Jesus with these people because mm-hmm. you start to realize that, oh, people do look up to you, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, when you're in a leadership position, you have the opportunity to bless people in that way. Yeah, man. That it, didn't answer your question, I don't think, but. No, man, that's great. Like when you're learning all this stuff about yourself, but you're also seeing Tyler go through this this thing. How was, how were you guys ministering to each other during this time? Uh, so reading the Bible with fresh eyes, I think it just would be that cool thing where, you know, you read the Bible or I'd listen, I would listen to streetlights all the time. That's what I would do. Um, and so we would just find new things that would be like, have you read this though? Or have you heard this? And then compare notes and just like the way we grew in the way we read the Bible, the way we started to understand it. I think that just helped us understand one, our identities first, where like, again, he was at the point where if he got a divorce, he got a divorce and it was going to suck. He didn't want that. Um, But he knew where his identity was. Um. And so for us to be able to just have somebody to bounce ideas off each other, I think that was where he and I just helped each other grow exponentially, as opposed to, like you said, if we were doing it on our own, it would have been like, ah, man, you know, that sounds right, but I don't know. But to be able to talk through those things with somebody face-to-face just helped us understand it better and grow quicker. Uh you guys were saying some wild things. I remember, because um, I mean, we were all just growing. I remember yeah. I would uh, I would watch a uh, a recess, like um, one of my teachers had uh, to take a break, and so I would watch recess for her, and I would listen to streetlights as I was walking around the gym, and I just remember thinking, "Yo, this thing is in here." Like it says that, like your eyes become open to the gospel. Like freedom from sin was almost like a a pass to be like, yo, the Bible says some wild things. What if they were true? Right. And uh, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to Tyler and we're just like, yo, this is all wild. And we said some stuff that was probably not like a hundred percent accurate. Like the, (laughs) the sentiment was right. But it was just like, I think Tyler or you were like, sin doesn't exist. (laughs) How how did you guys grow in that stuff, like where you're in a Sabbath school and you say something wild (laughs) like that and you're like, you understand like like who God is, but you don't understand the theology of it. Tell me about that stuff. Um. Yeah, that we were saying some wild things. Uh, definitely things we did not need to be saying, and things that were, like you said, <laughs> yeah, they just didn't need to be said. Uh, but <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, to say them out loud help us also hear it, <laughs> and then somebody could also it gave us a chance or other people chances to be like, no, 
And then we'd go back to the Bible and check it. And then we'd be like, oh, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, and so we'd have to trace back our steps. But uh, <laughs> it definitely like. It was like Bible clickbait, right? We were learning. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the boldness, like, I don't know. I think that there are periods of life where, or like periods of this where you start to express those things. And when you talk about them, it just helps you then re-solidify like, okay, nope, nope, nope. And you can walk it back. Uh, and you keep the receipts of, yes, I said that, but here's why that's not maybe exactly what we were talking about. <laughs> um, because like you said, like we were using it to go back to, to bring it back to identity. Like that was trying to be the basis. Um, but yeah, theologically we were way, way off, <laughs> but, but it, again, it like good, you said, man. the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, again, we weren't trying to like undermine any, like the church or we weren't trying to undermine anybody. Uh, we were just, newborns learning how to walk and we just were falling all over the place. Yeah, man. Um, so 20, this 2019, 2018 into 2019 is where, where you like, this is just becoming a part of you. Um, Mm -hmm. did you go to summer camp in, 2019? Yes, you did, and I know why you did. Yes, yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we were there. Because Miley's starting to understand this. Yep. And so, like I said, Tyler and I, we've just been praying over our wives constantly and just like, again, we just had faith that it was going to be okay. And obviously my marriage, here's the thing, Miley and I never have had and it, like we, it's always been great. Um, Tyler and Morgan had a rough spot there, <laughs> so Tyler and I were living uh, sort of different lives, but we were also praying for the same things for our wives, right? Uh, and so, yeah, Miley's she's getting it, but there are parts that she still didn't maybe fully understand or want. We go back to camp that year, and that was a rough summer for her. She did not enjoy camp uh, because it was just like a spiritual battle for her. Um, And, you know, I remember talking to her a lot and I remember uh, Jonathan saying some things to her that (laughs) did not go over well uh, and trying to like put out those fires while also being like, but he's kind of right, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but then, I mean, as we've heard many times on this podcast, the end of that summer was just incredible. Like the week or two leading up to the last night, people were receiving it like crazy this year. Uh, the year before people had still received it, but I feel like those were mostly seeds that had been planted. And then this summer, man, it, we were like the fruit, we we're just picking it left and right. Uh, and the conversations we got to have with people were just incredible. And I remember talking to Tyler throughout that summer and being like, man, this is crazy. Like, <laughs> you'd love it. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, the big night when 
like I just listened to Casey's podcast the other day and her whole story, uh, Ben Williams that summer, he, that was the summer he came up to me and even was like, you know, for the last couple of years, I got it, but I didn't really understand it. But now I really get it. Uh, mm-hmm. Erica, Yesenia, I mean, Misael and Matthias, man, all these people, it was just a crazy Scott cable, man. The conversations we got to have with people were just so fun. So, so fun. And Miley gets it at the end of that that week, right? Or that night was like, I forget if, if that was the night where she was just like, "Yep, Jesus yep. is better." No, or that. was it that night? <laughs> yep, yep, it was. It was that night. Uh, so, and then that was a obviously huge to see that happen, and uh, you know the the person in this world that you care the most about and are closest to to see them to see the thing that you've been praying for come to fruition. And then also that was a cool thing. Cause I got to speak that life over Tyler and be like, Hey man, it happened for me. It's going to happen for you and Morgan too. Hmm. Like no doubt. Um, because the thing we'd been praying for, for so long there it was. And also, but it wasn't like we had been praying for it. Like, please, please, please. It was just like, we know this is going to happen. Thanks for the faith that we know it's going to happen. And then to just have the physical evidence like, hey, it happened. And to tell that to Tyler was pretty cool. Man, what's what's so important is that we have to have a fresh experience. Like we have to be growing in maturity. And while reading Romans 6 today is different than reading Romans 6 in 2019 for me, um, I'm still growing in maturity. At the same time, mm-hmm. it's really important to not forget your first love. Like when mm-hmm. you were hearing this the first time, when you were seeing the miracles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you get for, back from camp. All of us end up meeting at your spot for this thing. For And you, if you've, being a listener to this podcast, you know the story of Morgan um, learning about her identity. And this is all taking place at your house. Um, we can't forget that stuff, like that it actually happened. Um, as you think back upon coming back from that that we that that summer camp experience and then what happened in the next couple months like what stands out in your mind about everything that was happening and all the miracles that were taking place like in your living room in front of your eyes um i guess so <laughs> if he said it we believe it right mm-hmm. um again i remember Tyler and i many times just being like now we know that our wives are going to get this. Uh, and because of that, we just, because of the identity we had and we knew that what he said was true, we just, like, we were good, man. I mean, and so then mm. to see those things come to fruition, it's just cool to see, like, it was a beautiful moment and everything, but it was also like, I mean, we knew it was going to happen <laughs> and we were excited. Uh, <laughs> but like, like I said, 
he said it, so we believed it. Like we just knew that, like at least for me, I just like I knew that moment was coming, and so why would I worry about it? Uh, why would I freak out? Like I just, hey, there it is. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> We're all so different, man, and uh, yeah, like. I don't know if you were crying. Maybe you weren't. I have, a, I have a feeling you weren't. I was like losing it. Tyler's losing it. Jonathan's crying. And you're just like, guys, he, he told us this was going to happen, right? Didn't, didn't he tell you guys? He told me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I did not cry. Sorry, guys. But no, I did not. I was happy. <laughs> but just to like to see your faith, man, to see you're just like, I think that's something that... um is kind of one of the gifts that you've been given is like mm. you're not really shook if stuff doesn't go well. Um, and it yeah. like your form of being shook is sometimes like, maybe you'll ask me a question, like tell me what you think about this, but you weren't freaked <laughs> out. You're just like, tell me what you think. And I'm sure that's happened, mm-hmm. but God has given you this gift of like, no, this is true. Like it's true. Yeah. Uh, tell me about yeah. that. And um, so one of my favorite parables to go back to is the wise man who builds his house on the rock. Um, and that's where I'm built now. Right. So what people say, what people try to do, uh, my identity, my house, like the foundation of my life can't be shaken because I've built it on the rock and in the past it would have been built on sand, you know, and it might have like, I think of other experiences in my life where it was probably built on like sand of like other people's failures because then it helped me feel better about myself. Um, or I think about like maybe some nasty things somebody said or whatever. And so then I'd go, you know, hunting for somebody to say something nice about me. Um, but like now, no, man, that foundation is set. And yeah, people can send me really nasty text messages. And like you said, I'll be like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> but again, uh, to go back and just be like, cool, I guess you can say what you want. Um, but I know who I am. I know uh, what's been, what is said about me, what's true about me. And those are the things that shape my life and how I will continue to live my life. And there ain't nothing you can do about it. So, yeah, building my house on the rock, waves come, whatever, go for it. Can't can't take it down. I think what's so important is people like you, people like Tyler, people like Eddie, Jonathan, um, people in my life that I've been able to lean on. Because in some ways, if we identify with freedom rather than identify with Jesus Christ, then if we are tripping about something, then we don't go to somebody sometimes. And we don't think a bit about it as like, oh, I'm a part of the body. We think of like, um, I'm the Lone Ranger and I'm supposed to know all of these things. Um, and that will that will mess us up. Uh, Tyler ministered to me 
in his year of his marriage almost falling apart. Uh, when I was losing my job, you ministered to me. Um, the like, and in your way, you're just like Richard. You're good, dude. And it's kind of like that confidence that you had in me being good. And I'm like, well, if Drew says it, it must be true. Like, if, but but like, that's how the body is supposed to operate. I've messed up when I've yeah. isolated myself. I've messed up when. I thought, well, Richard, you should have known better. You shouldn't have to call Eddie. You shouldn't have to call. You know, you shouldn't, mm. like, you should know this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, the purpose of our spiritual gifts yeah. is to edify each other, to grow the body. It isn't just for ourselves. Uh, and, like, you've just been doing ministry for so long now. What is your heart towards Every kid that plays ball for you, what do you want them to know about yourself? Like if you come and play ball for Union, like the underlying thing behind it all isn't like ball is not life. It's not just about getting buckets. What is the thing that you're wanting these men to, to understand? Yeah, I want them to know that they're loved, that their performance doesn't define them. Um, and also, though, that it's fun to do something as a group mm. uh, and to create memories and community with other people. And I don't think there's any better examples of that out there than a varsity team. And I think you could even say that too. But um, what my hope is that we create bonds that last forever and that someday they can have conversations like similar to ones that you and I are having right now um, or that Tyler and I had or you know it may not happen right after college but like I played college basketball with Tyler uh, and he and I weren't great friends for a while but then a year or two later man we linked back up and life wasn't the same ever again (laughs) and so just to create those bonds uh, of community that will last forever. There's nothing like doing something as a squad. Like winning the Super Bowl is mm. harder to do. Well, maybe you'll argue with me than not harder. Let's say this. It just feels different than winning the Masters. Like Rory McIlroy yeah. goes out there and shoots incredible over four days. And then he walks up and he gets a green jacket. But when you win the Super Bowl... Like, everyone's pulling on the same rope. You've got to be on the same team. Um, You might not have the best 53, but it's the ones that work together. And what I've seen with the gospel is these people that are in there with you, that are part of the body of Christ. And, like, we're just out there, like, fishing for men like we want people to understand this Mm -hmm. so badly when we see it happen Mm -hmm. when we see somebody receive their identity like they get it and their eyes widen and they're like oh he loves me there's no greater feeling right yeah man that's it um yeah (laughs) and i said earlier like just to 
similar in basketball terms, right? Like to see people, like you said, to accomplish something together and, but also understand that it's not just the person who scores 25 a game. It's not just the person who gets, you know, 10, 15 rebounds, like all the people behind the scenes too, who pushed you in practice to get you to these points, like it's the body. Right. And so that's the other thing that I think I'd want to teach too. It's just like, it takes all of us to accomplish something great. Love it, bro. And uh, man, I just love your heart. I love your heart for these young men. I love what he's done in your life and the gifts that he's given you. And it's different than the gifts he's given me. Um, yet it's all for the edification of the body. It's all for this thing called the body of Christ, which Jesus is our head. And uh, I may be the the pinky, you may be the elbow, but we have different purposes, like different jobs, but the same purpose. And so seeing you working in that and moving in that is just a blessing to me, man. So I appreciate you, doc. Yeah, man, I appreciate you and the things you're doing with this. And it's great to hear all the stories and man, it's awesome. God, God is doing some cool things, but that's never been not true <laughs> but now he's doing it in us where before he was trying to but we just were just like what what do you mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks bro appreciate you coming up yeah man you bet got me singing like glory yeah it got me telling my story know that your love is pouring on me and love is pouring on me River flowing in and never ends. More to life, more to me, more than just pretend. And you can feel in freedom from within. Free to fly, be the child that you always been. Yeah. This episode was brought to you by gospel-loving listeners just like yourself. If you want to ensure more of these stories are heard by people and help build season three of the show and beyond, we'd ask that you please give to our building fund that's helping support the future of the podcast. It takes equipment and software and time and all that good stuff to make this an amazing listening experience for your ears. So we just ask that you help pay it forward, like the person before you did, to keep these amazing stories of God's transformative love rolling. You can go to lovereality.org give and choose death to life as the option to help us keep reaching more people and ensuring more episodes. Thank you so much, guys. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Got me singing like, oh, singing like.